You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. This week, we have Pastor Aaron bringing us Camouflage of Activity, part two. We hope you enjoy this teaching. Uh, Grab your Bibles and turn them to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And uh, today I want to do the part two of a series that I started a couple weeks ago about the camouflage of activity and how oftentimes we mask what is going on on the inside by doing activity for the Lord. And it's easy to hide a dead heart. It's easy to hide uh, a heart that is far from the Lord by simply doing the Christian thing. Anybody ever done the Christian thing before and actually realized I didn't even mean it? Right? Anybody? I've done it. I'll I'll raise my hand. I've worshiped the Lord and got done and realized I don't think I actually worship Jesus. I've gone to church and realized it was about me and it wasn't about him. Do you realize that when you go to church, you actually go to church to give and not to receive? Okay, let me say it again. You go to church to give and to not receive, right? Because I receive from the Lord every day. I spend time with him and I receive. And when I come to church, I want to come and I want to give it away. I want to come and be encouraged and to encourage those around me so then I can go stomp the devil the rest of the day and the rest of the week. Amen? And church is designed for people who don't know the Lord to come and to encounter him and then to go and be sent out and to live for Jesus wherever they go. Amen. Amen. Let's practice that. Amen. Amen. So in Luke chapter 10, we hear a story about Mary and Martha. And let me, let me read it for you. I read it a couple weeks ago, but let me just remind you. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had or listened to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. By all the important things, by all the preparations, by all the activity that had to be made, she came to him and said, Lord, don't you even care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are actually needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So here we have Martha doing activity, making a meal for the Lord. I'm sure it was steak with potatoes, garlic-flavored potatoes, like little carrots on the side, and like the the steak was flavorful enough, you don't need ketchup. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody like put ketchup on their steak because it just doesn't taste good. Like this was not that steak. And she's making a meal for the Lord that he never asked for. He didn't ask for it. And she's there doing great activity all the while Mary's at the feet of Jesus, not caring about doing anything else except just staring into the eyes of the king fixated upon everything that's coming out of his mouth. I I can just imagine she's probably just overwhelmed with emotion, just realizing that she's actually looking at the Messiah, the king, probably doesn't even hear what Martha's doing in the background. And here comes Martha, frustrated, confused, irritated. Jesus, can you just tell Mary to leave where she's at and come and do all these other things that are very important? And Jesus responds to her and says, Martha, you've got it all wrong. I don't want any of that. I only want you. I don't want what you can give me, and I don't want you what you can do for me. I simply want you. 
And it's very easy for us as believers to become so fixated on an activity, become so fixated on an attendance, on tithing, on worshiping, on praying, on reading our Bible, on saying the right things, all great things. All very important things, but they can never replace the most important thing, which is simply being with Jesus and spending time in the presence of God. Myself, I remember back in my early 20s, I shared this a couple weeks ago, I was freshly married and uh, was preaching, was leading conferences, was on the worship team, was, I could quote you scripture, I could name every good worship song, I could move a room, I could inspire you, I could do all that, but in reality, my heart was far from the Lord, I was struggling heavily with pornography, I wasn't reading my Bible, I wasn't growing in my relationship with the Lord, I was dead on the inside, but from an outside perspective, I had everything you wanted, I had, I had the perception that I knew the Lord. But in reality, I didn't. Then I could say all the right things. I could do all the right things. I could act the right way. But in reality, I didn't actually know him. I was Martha, fixated on the activity, but in reality, did not know Jesus. If Jesus is not in a meeting, if he's not in a church service, it's actually not church, it's just a meeting. If he is not there, when you're reading and praying, you're just reading a great book that's not alive to you yet. I don't want to do anything if Jesus is not a part of it. I don't want to do another church service if he's not here. I don't want to read my Bible again if he's not there. I don't want to worship him again if it's not all about him. Oftentimes, we allow activity to replace a relationship, and we hide behind that. All the while, our, our life, our heart is dead. Too often we, are, we, we, we become professional Christians who know how to do everything the right way, but in reality, we don't know the Lord. Many of you might be able to relate to where I was. Doing it all, functioning well, from the outside looking in looked great, but on the inside was dead. Struggling with sin, doubt, shame. Man, you want to talk about shame, try preaching a word and then going looking at pornography. Look great on the outside, but on the inside, broken and confused. Doesn't matter how much you come to church, doesn't matter how much money you give, doesn't matter how many worship songs you sing. God's not after your activity, he's after your heart. And I believe that God wants to break every religious spirit in this building. That every one of you who allows activity and a religious activity to come and replace an authentic relationship with the Lord is lying to yourself that that's what he's interested in. Stop hiding behind your sin or your activity. Stop hiding behind your attendance to church. Stop hiding behind your worship. Stop hiding behind your giving. If he doesn't have your heart, he doesn't want your activity. If he doesn't have your heart, he doesn't want your activity. I'm going to show you in the Word in just a minute. In Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 29, it says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. This was me. I said everything right with my mouth. I lived the right way on the outside, but on the inside, my heart was far from the Lord, and everything I did was based merely on traditions. I was a professional Christian. Like, I had a degree plastered on my wall. I had a master's in it. I knew how to do it. 
The problem was is I didn't really know the Lord. And you may be sitting here today and you may have been in church for 50 years and still not know Jesus. You could quote me scripture and still not know the Lord. Does anybody here like a chapter and verse person? Like you can just like quote a chapter and verse because you're like super spirit, like I don't, I can't do that. You like tell me a street name and I'm like, I don't know where that is, I just don't do numbers very well. I know my wife's phone number and that's all I need. And my social, that's it. Sometimes I gotta ask her for my social security I, and she remembers it all. You ever like somebody comes to you and you're like, hey man, how you doing? They're like, man, I'm just living on Psalms 81. And you don't have a clue what Psalms 81 is, but you're like, that's awesome, brother, me too. Just li- like, you just need to break that religious spirit. Like, just say, I don't know what it is. Can you tell me? Like, I'm the- I don't know. I don't remember. I know John 3.16, though. I got that memorized. <laughs> but we can become that professional Christian that just memorizes this stuff but don't know the Lord. What a shame it would be. What a shame it would be to stand before the Lord and you see him and you're like, who are you? That's what many people will do who profess to be a Christian is they'll stand before Jesus someday and say, I've never met you before. And worse yet, he's gonna look at you and say, you prophesied in my name, you healed the sick in my name, you cast out demons in my name, but depart from me, for I never knew you, you evildoers. See, in Romans, it talks about the kingdom of God, Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of activity, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on, we need to start saying the Holy Ghost again. It just it sounds like, it just sounds good. It just sounds Pentecostal. I don't even know what Pentecostal means, but it sounds like it. I have people, so are you guys a Pentecostal church? Sure. Do you like it? Uh, no, then I guess we're not a Pentecostal. We're a Jesus church. We just love Jesus. What am I saying? I don't even know what I'm saying. It's the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We love the peace and the joy. We love the peace and we love the joy because you want to know why? I can keep on sinning and God, you can give me peace. Give me peace that you still love me. I can keep on sinning and God, you can give me joy. It's all going to work out. But righteousness, that's when I got to stop the sin. That's when I got to start living as holy because he is holy righteousness has, see there's a song that just came out that's like uh, whatever you have God I want it all give me your give me your peace give me your joy give me your mercy and your grace or something like that but we leave out the word righteousness it's like that is the part that causes activity to become more important than a relationship you want to know why somebody can get radically saved and we've seen it in, in just the news in the past couple months. Somebody can radically saved and then live for Jesus for 20 or 30 years and all of a sudden be like, yeah, I'm not a believer anymore. You want to know how that happens very easily? It's because they started making activity their savior rather than Jesus. And many of you can be just as susceptible. I was susceptible. I was doing it. And I was really good at it. I allowed the activity to become my faith. My faith is not in what I can do, it's not in who I can be, it's simply in Jesus and knowing him. And oftentimes we're ashamed, because like if God truly knew what was on the other side of my activity, I don't know if he could handle it. I don't know if he could handle the doubt I have. I gotta tell you that Jesus is greater than your doubt. He's greater than every fear you got. He is not intimidated by your pain or your hurt or your history. He is simply waiting for you to come out around the curtain and say, I'm not gonna hide behind my activity any longer, but God, I'm gonna avail myself to you and say, God, whatever you want, here I am. I place myself on the altar. 
I don't want to be fake. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Think about that. Oftentimes we just, we throw that out. Oh, it's just the Pharisees. He's talking to the teachers. He's talking like people like me. Like, imagine Jesus coming in the room and I'm 22, 23, 24 years old. Wasn't too long ago. Matthew 23, here's Jesus. And he says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, people that you would look up to. You hypocrites. You think I'm intense. He says, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. This was me. I was a tomb that was whitewashed, beautiful, looking like it had it all together, but on the inside, I was dead. On the inside, I was broken. On the inside, I was confused. On the inside, I didn't really know the Lord. But on the outside, my, 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 my appearance was perfect. And if we're not careful, we can become that. You could become that. I could become that. I could create an activity and it becomes more important than my relationship with Jesus. If we're not careful, we can allow worship to become more important than the one we're worshiping. If we're not careful, we can allow reading scriptures to become more important than the one who wrote it. We can allow the activity to become more important than Jesus. We can create a whitewashed tomb on the outside, but God knows our heart. And there is a danger if you allow that dead heart to exist. There's a danger if you allow sin to exist. There's a danger if you allow brokenness, unforgiveness to exist. I shared this first service, but there's a story in, in, um, in, the, in the New Testament that Jesus talked about where he said a parable. There was a master who had a servant, and that servant owed him a large sum of money. And um, let's just call it billions of dollars. And that servant came to him, and there was no way he could repay it. And so the master looked at the servant and said, you know what? Your debt is forgiven. Don't worry about it. You're fine. So as you can imagine, that servant is just overjoyed, freaking out, so excited. He just got peace, and he just got joy. He walks out, and he goes to another servant. Now, this other servant owes him a very, very small sum of money. And he goes to the other servant, and he says, repay me right now. Well, that other servant can't repay him. So he grabs him by the neck and says, until you can repay me, I'm going to throw you into prison. Until you can repay your debt. Well, as you can imagine, the master heard about this and was very angry. So he went to that first servant and he said, how dare you? I forgave you of much and you have not forgiven him of little. And he cast him out to the tormentors and torturers. Think about that. He cast him to the torturers and tormentors until his debt was repaid. See, if you allow unforgiveness in your life, what you're doing is you're giving access. You're actually just welcoming. You're saying, hey, tormenting spirits, come on in. Come reside in my heart. If you allow unforgiveness to stay in your heart, no amount of casting out, no amount of rebuking or praying will prevent that, that tormenting spirit from staying until you actually forgive. Doesn't matter how much you worship. Doesn't matter how many shundais you do. It doesn't matter how many church services you attend. Until you actually forgive, that tormenting spirit will stay. You're just welcoming him. It's like, come on in. See, in 1 John, it says, how can you say you love Jesus and yet hate a man? If you do, you are a liar. 1 John 4, put it up. 
It says, how can you love a God whom you can't see when you can't love a man who you can see? It's actually saying, if you say you love the Lord, but yet hate somebody else, you're a liar. Which means this, you don't love Jesus if you hate somebody. But I come to church. But I, I've read the Bible. I've gone forward for an altar call. If you hate a brother, you cannot love the Lord. You can't do it. You're a liar. That's what the Bible says. God's not interested in your activity. You see, there's a, in, in Matthew 5, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about, he says, if you come to prevent your, present your sacrifice at the altar of the Lord and you realize that a brother is at odds with you, not if you're at odds with them, but if somebody else is angry with you, he's taking another level, another level down that we would minimize and ignore. If they're at odds with you, leave your gift at the altar and go and make it right. Think about that. See, the Christian faith at its core is all about right relationship. Right relationship with the Lord, first and greatest commandment. Right relationship with each other, second greatest commandment. Right relationship with yourself, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. And even right relationship with your enemy. Right? Sermon on the Mount. So, Jesus did not say, when you're doing an activity like going to the grocery store, and you're there about ready to pay for your groceries, and you realize that somebody is at odds with you, leave your groceries and go and make it right. He didn't say that. He didn't say when you're at work, doing your job, performing really well, and you realize somebody doesn't like you, leave your work and go make it right. No, he says if you're at the altar of the Lord, the most important place for a religious Jew at that time, leave your gift. Don't do anything. And see, it's important to understand for a religious Jew, they got to go to the temple of the Lord one time a year. It was the most important time of their whole year. And they would go there as if like a priest for their family to offer up a sacrifice for their sins. They would actually travel for days and then they would probably stand in a very long line for days waiting for their moment to go to the altar. And it's saying that when they finally got there, the most important place where they've been waiting all year to make amends for their sins, if they get to that altar and they realize that somebody else is angry at them, leave your gift. Don't even sacrifice it. I don't want it. Go and make amends before you sacrifice your gift. Wouldn't Jesus want my worship? Wouldn't he want my praise? Like we would, what we would do is we'd make a note in our iPhone. Like, hey, I'll do it soon as I'm done. God, just give me a minute so I can worship you and then I'll go do that. And he's like, no, it's like emergency. Leave it all behind. Like y'all remember in school when they ran the emergency drills and they'd say, leave everything in the school. Leave your backpack, leave your pencils, leave your water. Like just run. That's what the Lord is saying. He's saying if you realize that you're at the altar, if you realize you're at church, if you realize you're before the Lord and there's somebody at odds with you, leave your gift. It's an emergency. Go and make it right. God is more interested in your heart, in your relationships, and everything else you minimize rather than your activity. He would rather have a right heart than your activity. He would rather have you fall in love with him at his feet than you make a meal for him he never asked for. Amen. Let me just smile at you for a minute. I love you. Y'all look really pretty today. I'm not angry at you. I'm just passionate because I'm going through the exact same thing. And it's terrible. But it's really good. As I've been studying over the past few weeks, I cry when I study. 
because I feel the Lord surgically coming in with a scalpel and cutting my heart, showing me different things that I've allowed to become more important than the most important thing, which is him. In Psalms 51, 16 through 17, it says, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. So you might say, well, if God doesn't want my sacrifice, if he doesn't want my activity, what do I bring? See, God isn't interested in what you can bring. He isn't interested in what you have. You want to know what he wants? You. So he doesn't want my worship. Actually, your worship is you on an altar, dead before the Lord. Not physically dead. Let me clarify. I'm talking about laying yourself on the altar. Say, God, you can have all of me. Romans 12, right? Hey, I got a chapter right. Verse 1. What is true and proper worship? Laying yourself on the altar. Presenting yourself as a living sacrifice before the Lord. He isn't interested in what you got. He's interested in you. And if we're not careful, we make the grave mistake of thinking all he wants is what we can give him. Doing the activity. See, hear me carefully here. The activity is important. Going to church is important. Reading your Bible is important. Giving to the Lord is important. All those things are great. But if he doesn't have your heart, he's saying stop all of that until I got you. Remember he said it in, I think it's, it's Matthew. I'm not going to try to tell you the chapter. Just Google it. He says, you Pharisees, you tithe on cumin and all those other things, but you neglect the weightier manners of life. You should do these without neglecting the former. He's saying, don't stop the activity. Don't stop the activity, but just come and be with me and give me your heart. Your activity is not your salvation. It's not even the, it's not even the, how you, how you live out your faith. My faith is lived out at his feet. And from there, I go and I walk it out on a day-to-day basis. But it starts here. If the root is not here at his feet, that should not happen. I've seen people who have prayed for people and seen them come to know Jesus and get saved and then go look at pornography the next day. I've seen people who have seen others get healed as they've prayed for them. And then they go out and they're angry and they cuss people out. And I look at that, I'm like, bro, you're treading on thin ice. Because the, the, the Lord is not interested in your activity. He's interested in your heart. Turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, I want you to actually turn there if you can. I'll give you a minute. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11. And it says this. The multitude of your sacrifices. Remember, this is the Lord speaking. What are they to me? The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? The trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. 
Listen to the Lord this morning. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Don't do it. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals. I hate with all of my being. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Listen to that. When you spread your hands out in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, if you are willing and obedient, if you attend church and give your money, it's not what it says. It says if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land, but if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Here's the Lord, and He's saying, all those offerings that you're bringing, all those assemblies that you're doing, they're meaningless. You want to know why? Because you've got blood on your hands. What's he saying? You're coming in with sin in your life and you're thinking your activity is excusing away your lifestyle. And he's like, you're not fooling me. I know how you're living. I know what's on the inside and I don't want your activity if I don't have you. Your activity is not what I died on the cross for. I died for a heart set ablaze on the altar of the Lord that says, Father, you can have it all. And too often what we do is we allow all those assemblies, all those meaningless offerings to think. We think that that's what the Lord is after. He's not. He's saying you got blood on your hands. What is blood on your hands? It's sin. It's not something we talk about a lot in church because it doesn't feel warm and fuzzy. You got sin in your life. You got bondage in your heart. You got unforgiveness and anger and doubt, fear and shame. And he's saying, I don't want your activity any longer until I get your heart. Just let you think about that for a moment. He doesn't want your activity until he has your heart. But doesn't God want me to go evangelize? Doesn't God want me to worship yes the activity is not wrong but he's saying if you're doing the activity and yet still bound still living in fear still living in doubt still living in sin i don't want it i want you in proverbs proverbs 21 3 it says to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the lord than sacrifice but God, here's my gift and here's my sacrifice. He says, I don't want it. I want righteousness and justice. I want you to live a life of purity and holiness before me. Who may stand before the Lord? Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? But he who has clean hands and a pure heart. You want to see Jesus. You want an encounter with the Lord. You want to stay in his presence. He's saying, Will you actually clean your hands? Get the blood off of your hands. 
If you're here today and you're saying, man, I want to stop allowing activity to become more important than my relationship with Jesus. I want to actually be somebody who lives out my faith at his feet. I want you to stand up and I just want you to come forward and I want to pray over you. If you're here today and you're saying, my faith with Jesus has become all about activity. Don't wait. I want you to come up right now. I believe that today that many of you need to begin to lay your life at the altar. That you need to place your your calendar. You need to place your your work. You need to place your family. You need to place your dreams. You need to place your promises at the altar of the Lord to say, God, if I don't have you, I got nothing. I don't want to present another sacrifice that you haven't asked for. I don't want to make another meal for you, Lord, that you haven't asked for. I want to be like Mary and just be at the feet of Jesus. God, if there's a Martha in me, God, reveal it to me right now. If you're here today and you're saying, man, I've allowed the the religious spirit that simply says, I can do it. I can make amends. I can cover up what I'm going through. I want you to come forward. There's more of you. I'm just going to wait. If you're here today, And you're saying, I have allowed activity to cover up. I've allowed it to cover up. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's fear. I believe that there's many of you here today, you have a religious spirit inside of you. I'm not speaking to you as a condescending person. I was you. I know exactly what it feels like. I can go to church. I could do all the right things. And I don't know the Lord. If you're here today and you're like, man, I actually am realizing I don't know Jesus. I've come forward for altar calls. I've said the sinner's prayer, but I don't know him. Did you know in scripture there's no sinner's prayer? There's no sinner's prayer. Saying a prayer does not make you saved. Giving him your life, surrendering yourself to him and making him Lord over your life, your Lord and Savior. So if you, if you, came, if you came forward, I just want you to begin, just begin to pray. And I want you to begin to, I want you to begin to take the things in your life that you've been hiding behind activity. And I want you to begin to place them on the altar. Say, Lord, here I am. Here's this sin. I, I, I believe this morning, just even during worship, worship was amazing. I just kept hearing the Lord. He's saying, I'm coming to actually remove the bondage of sin. That many of you have allowed sin to come in and it's secretive, it's seductive, it stays underneath the cover of activity, it stays underneath the cover of a professed, professed belief. Your activity is not what the Lord is looking for. He's looking for a heart that says, I'm yours. Begin to ask the Lord to search your heart. Search me, Jesus. Search me, Jesus. Search me, Jesus. God, you asked me to preach this message because it's what you're doing to me. Search me, Jesus. God, I don't want an activity to become more important than you. God, I don't want to go through any motions. I don't want to go through any ruts. I don't want to create routines of any kind. I want to be authentic and pure in every desire, in every yearning, in every intercessing. God, I want it to be about you. God, if it ever becomes about me, reveal it to me, Lord. God says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Lord, purify my heart. 
If you didn't come forward, if you would stand, and I just ask that you begin to pray. If you're in your seat, stand up, please, and just begin to pray for those who came forward. Father, I ask that you would begin to remove the bondage of sin, that you'd begin to remove the feeling that I can hide behind activity. If you're part of our prayer ministry team, if you can just come up, begin to pray. Begin to pray for those different ones who have come forward. God, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would come and break the bondage of sin break confusion God that would think that all you care about is what I have to bring he is not interested in what you have to give he's interested in you you are more than enough lies and labels that you've believed that people have spoken over you we break the power of those in the name of Jesus you are not thrown away you are not left out you are not a mistake you are important you are perfect God designed you. He wants you. Come on, church. Each person here, just out loud in your mouth, begin to pray. Begin to pray. Don't get distracted. Just keep praying.